Hello, this is Fam Electric Ghost. We have Regina Fay on the line. Hello. Hi. So you can hear me okay? Yep. Can you hear me? Okay, great. Yep. So this is Fam Electric Ghost. We interview indie artists from around the world. We have Regina Fay on the line from the UK. And uh, we're going to get ready to talk to you about all your music that you have up on the on the net and talk about your projects that are out there right now. Yep. So um, the first question we always ask is, when did you first get into music and at what age? I got into music when I was 10. I started learning the violin. And at first it was just performing classical stuff, but eventually I moved on to writing my own music. So did you um, stay on the violin writing your own music or you branch out to other instruments? Well, by the time I was 19, I decided I should branch out to some other instruments as well, because I figured guitar was the easiest for writing my songs. And I just decided I would learn how to play. So I found some videos, found some chords online. And after about a week, I actually went ahead and wrote my first song on the guitar called Charade. Oh, that's interesting. Like I, I kind of, well, I, I was trained on a clarinet and I realized you really mm-hmm. can't write pop music on a clarinet yeah <laughs> so I got a, like a keyboard when I was like 17 I bought a Roland and then I just like bought all these books and I, I've been trained how to read sheet music but for a wind instrument and so then I had to kind of you know relearn music on a piano it was totally different than playing a wind um, yeah. but it's the same it's a writing instrument so I found that like you know pianos and guitars are like the pri- primary tools for singer songwriters so yeah definitely so, so you started to, 8, 8 19, 20, you released a, a debut album called Castle. Can you maybe talk yeah. about that? So Castle was inspired by my experiences by my friends at uni because we called our uni Castle. So that's how that came to be. And I just found that writing songs was the best way of expressing myself. So... I just went ahead and did it. <laughs> now, did you ever write poetry before you got into songwriting? I've talked to a lot of songwriters. They're like their first attempts at like expression were like poetry, and then they found a way to turn them into songs. Or did you go right into like writing lyrics for songs? Yeah, I did write a lot of poetry, and I did end up turning some of my older poetry into songs or getting inspiration from them later on actually. That's interesting. I was talking to somebody I interviewed yesterday and they were doing like they were using like a computer program to randomly generate words because they're like an experimental Mm -hmm. musician and then I was saying well that's kind of like a word jam but um, you know poetry a lot of times I'll go into my 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 backlog of poetry when I was in my 20s and then take lines out of like 30 poems and then kind of scramble. (laughs) Um just to be, you know, different. But yeah, it's interesting that I've talked to a lot of musicians over the last few years. And, you know, I would say 70% of them say that they pull lyrics from poetry they writ- they've written, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you had a talent for music because you were, you were already classically trained, but you decided you didn't want to go the classical route of being in an orchestra. You wanted to go more into pop. Or, or or indie music? 
Yeah, because I felt when I listened to songs, I had a very special connection with lyrics, especially. And I wanted to go write lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Do you try to introduce any of your classically trained capability as, as, as playing, you know, those um, playing uh, strings and violin? Do you bring that into your new music or you kind of stay away from it? Yeah, I definitely try and mix and match the best parts of both of them, I guess. Um, so I sometimes when I'm producing a song, I will add a violin part that's more classical maybe, but it works with the pop mm -hmm. or folk style of whatever I'm writing. Do you find like if you listen to like the Beatles, they used to introduce a lot of, you know, strings in, into their work in the, in the 60s. Um, do you find your, your music from my reading your, your bio, your mix of folk, country, classical and pop, and that's kind of Beatlesque in a way. Um, are you inspired? What, what, type, what type of artist are you inspired by? Who are your reference points? So, first of all, I the first music I ever listened to was Suzanne Vega and Corinne Bailey Ray, and I think they really inspired me in terms of shaping my understanding of music and songwriting, because I just love songs that tell a story. And nowadays, um, some of my biggest inspirations are Hosier and Taylor Swift because Hosier uses a lot of imagery and references in the lyrics and Taylor Swift just has this ability to put very complex emotions into just very simple words. And these are things I try to get in my music as well. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from literature and especially medieval poetry and ethics. Yeah, I see that you're taking, you're going for a master's degree. So you're trying to bring yeah. some of that into your into your music. Are you working on like themed projects that kind of take your med medieval studies? You know, or is there some of the work you're doing, you know, it already probably has these components, but are you thinking of like kind of focusing on, on that on future projects? I definitely try and take some ideas I see or some terms and phrases they use because it's very, it's very interesting to see how language evolved and how the way we look at things can be seen through language. So I take it in that form in my writing. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I'm an electronic musician, but I'm very um, uh, drawn to Victorian poetry. So mm. I, I take a lot of Blakeian like William Blake's ideas, his ideas like the tiger, tiger symmetry yeah. and ideas that he had. And a lot of his ideas, they got the celestials and all these, he, he, he used to do art, you know, he used to etch yeah. paintings with acid and he had all these like really complicated, you know, kind of like uh, mytho mythological concepts. And then he had a very simple poetry structure. That that it would it kind of relates to to modern music when you read Blakeian poetry it's 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 kind of simple uh, compared to like Wordsworth or Tennyson, but I always felt that that was a good uh, inspiration for a lot of the work I do. So it's interesting that you're you're going into medieval studies and, and finding inspiration there. I, I I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think just putting complex things into simple words is very powerful, especially when you're writing lyrics because.
you want to keep it to the point. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you, you can get into, like, I'm a progressive musician, so I get drawn into, like, bands like Yes and Genesis, and they can kind of get a little overwrought, mm-hmm. but I still like that kind of progressive rock opera thing, because, you know, I'm a keyboardist, I'm a synthesis, so we kind of go there. It may be a little excessive, but it's kind of, that's where I live. Um, but I do understand that, you know, modern pop music, people want things a little more relatable, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's always a... A, a kind of dynamic argument to try to create something that's progressive, but also can be accessible. Um, so that's that's always kind of like the fight. Do you find yourself because you're dealing with complicated, uh, you know, themes and and being able to mix genres about folk, country, and classical, but then make it seem kind of seamless? Is, is that easy? Does that come easy to you, or do you find that it's hard to actually? compose or you just it's naturally coming out of you i think it definitely takes some time for it to get easy um sometimes i just write very long poems and then i pick specific pieces of it that i like that i think is just capturing the right thing and make those lines into songs yeah the work to take a poem and turn it into a song is like a totally you kind of have to deconstruct your poetry and find Mm -hmm. what's going to work in that form. And it's kind of like, it's like the raw material. I always go back to my poems and say, well, this is the raw material that I can use to create lyrics. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you feel that's like, that's how you look at it or, or you look at it a different way? Yeah, because when I'm writing a poem, I don't stop and think to edit it. I just want to get out whatever I'm feeling across. And then mm-hmm. once I'm tr- turning into a song, then I put the editing in. Yeah, so that's where you like to try to get the melody or get the refrains and get the yeah. different structures of a song. Like in a poet, poem, like you go off, you could try to make your Iliad, you know, like, mm-hmm. or you try and do like, are you doing something that, you know, ten, like Tennyson, like, or words with like, in, you know, at least what I, I'm drawn into Victorian poets, and that doesn't always work yet as a song, but there's certain key lines that might work. And yeah. then you can kind of figure out how to make that work with your BPM and your your drum machines and your synthesis or your guitar playing, like you have to find a space to fit it in. Um, so do you think of your songs like lyrically first or do you come up with the music first or is it a combination or you just kind of go with what the muse gives you? It's a combination. So sometimes I will have the lyrics and I will just try out a bunch of different chords over them see what melody works or sometimes I will just have a melody in my head and I'll write lyrics to it yeah so it's kind of like like I think I look at each song kind of like like my my, my children <laughs> and they they kind of come out they kind of get born and they kind of they get created in different ways yeah. um, and you don't you don't know how each one comes you know it might be something that suddenly comes to you or something that you know I, I have mogs synthesizers and they kind of bring me ideas when I turn them on um so do you, when you play an instrument do you have your melody in mind or you kind of maybe you're just practicing and, and does it come to you from from just kind of jamming or practicing or you kind of plan it out and write it out so sometimes I will have the melodies strict in my head and I will write to it or sometimes I will just 
have my guitar be playing around with some chords and I'll be like, oh, this melody works. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some people like they, they, they always put the tape on or they got their phone. Like nowadays, a lot of people I've talked to, like musicians and vocalists in particular, they'll say, well, I got my cell phone with me and I'm just walking down the street and suddenly I get this idea and I just do a voice memo. Um, and so they always have kind of a recorder. They don't have to actually go home. They could be taking a walk and then do it. Do you give yourself a specific time of day or space to do writing or you kind of, you know, do the kind of voice memo thing wherever it happens? I do the voice memo thing a lot, definitely. But in terms of actually sitting down and writing, if I have a song that I'm currently working on, then I will be like, all right, I have to make the time to work on this today. But if not, if I just get an idea and I'm in my room, I'll just get my guitar out and start writing. Yeah, that's interesting. That's this voice memo thing that I, that I call it or we call it. It's, it's a big thing with a lot of musicians. Like almost, I would say again, like out of all the people I've interviewed, especially the, the, the singers and songwriters, they, they, they tend to use that tool a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, the traditional bands I've talked to, like rock based bands, they tend to like all get together in a studio and kind of write together, even in this modern DAW world. Um, a lot of the kind of, you know, old school kind of rock structured bands still like that kind of cre um, song creation, you know, after feeding off other people. But as a singer songwriter, you primarily do everything yourself, right? When yeah. you work with producers. Um, I have worked with producers, but I also have been trying to produce my own music more recently. Um, I'm still learning, but I think definitely mm -hmm. the classical background comes in very handy in that. So when you put together your music, you have like what you're like, what we, they call a lot of artists today, like bedroom artists, they got their own home studio and they kind of get this idea of a bedroom artist where they got like their DAW or they've got their, you know, their hardware recorders and synths and guitars. So are, do you use like a digital audio workstation or you kind of, you know, just do like, uh, you know, audio recordings of your guitar and then later put it into a DAW or how do, how do you actually compose? Yeah, so once I'm finished with writing a song, I will record the guitar and the vocals and I'll put them into Logic and then I'll just go ahead and replay it over and over as I compose the backing instruments. Oh, so you use a digital, you use, um, yeah, digital yeah. audio workstation. That, that's like the primary tool most artists today though i'm a dollless recorder because i'm into analog synthesis so a lot of the stuff i do i like to capture onto either like like um analog recording equipment or digital audio equipment that's still like hardware based just just because the type of stuff i do is um it's hard to capture modes in in old analog sense and actually get the full sound of them you know using some of the dogs not that you can't do it but i i kind of like doing it old school because um, I find I find it captures the sound a little better. But so, what what are your feelings like in the dog? You say you're learning more about production. So, are you diving into like all the capabilities of like a recording engineer level production? You're you're you know reading up and learning those techniques, or are you leaving the mastering and all that to other people? I'm currently more focused on the instruments. Uh, I am also trying to learn more about the mixing and mastering processes as well. 
just... yeah and today's age yeah with the, with the whole thing with the, a lot of artists i've talked to they're starting to dive more into it just because of the, because of the you know situation we're in with the coronavirus mm-hmm. a lot of artists that kind of depend on the studio they're kind of stuck with their demos mm-hmm. not being able to complete them mm-hmm. um because they're dependent on people mastering them or or going into the studio to finally finalize the album so a lot of people are starting to say, well, I, I think I take this time to kind of learn some techniques. Yeah. Um, um, so so are you, do, when you finish your project, do you give it over to a mastering service or do you, how, how do you, you know, fully complete your projects? Definitely at this point, giving it over to a mastering service because until I learn it, I think it's yeah, yeah. best for the song. Yeah, yeah, that's you know to get it out there, you have to use some service. I, I, I work with different ones. I mean, I'm actually signed to a label that has recording engineers, and they do it for me. But mm. yeah, for a long time, I used to do some of this stuff myself with some tools. But then lately, I've been going through you know actually services that help me because um, it is kind of an art in itself. If you go back, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm in my fifties, and you know when I first started playing, you know people sound engineers and recording engineers is kind of like the gate you couldn't even do what we're doing today because you couldn't get your music in a position to get it out without going through like a label (laughs) um because you couldn't get access to the recording engineers you know you could put stuff out on indie labels that didn't really have it mastered that well but now today you have a lot more access so what what do you think about the whole streaming services you know out there today the fact that you can get out there but we really don't have the like label and artistic management support that artists used to have it's a blessing and a curse in some ways what what are your feelings about that yeah i definitely agree it's both it's got its good sides and its bad sides um but one thing i think it's great that anyone can put their art their music out there but at the same time it's but you do feel a bit misguided sometimes, like you don't know where to start. Yeah, what I, what I find is like, like I've had this kind of conversation where, you know, after Napster happened and the, you know, iTunes store happened and then Spotify and all these places happened, it, it gave us access to the music, but it devalued, you know, as a musician, we feel that a lot of times you'll, you know, at least I feel that, my music is not valued as much as a video game. Like a young person will pay pay $50 for an Xbox game, but they don't want to spend $9 for a CD. When I grew up, people would buy vinyl tapes and CDs, right? That's the only way you could get to music. And now when you're an artist and you only get 0.006 of a penny for a stream (laughs) and, you know, you don't have people listening to albums, they're listening to playlists. So I grew up, you know, getting like a Led Zeppelin album on vinyl and listening to it with five other friends in a, in a basement and kind of being like into like the whole vision of that artist as, as, as a concept. So I guess the question would be like in terms of music today seems to be more single oriented. And if you're an artist that's trying to do bigger ideas, do you find that to be kind of limiting or how do you work with that? Hmm. Well, I think actually working just song by song as singles is also, it also has great creative potential, I think, because 
you get to, for example, I love designing the artwork for my singles and it's an extra form of self-expression when you go song by song in terms of releasing, get to add a lot more story to just one song more than they would have in a big yeah. album, for example. That's interesting. I never, no one's ever pointed that out. <laughs> yeah, all the people I've talked to was kind of, well, you know, I don't get to do the full album concept, but you pointed out the good point of it. And I do release a lot of singles myself and I do the art for my work and I'm able to kind of create like the vision that I want people to associate with my music for each song. Mm -hmm. And on an album, you're kind of stuck with one image, you know, unless you have a booklet or something, which is hard to do today. Because um, you used to be able to do liner notes and big booklets, you know, when you release them electronically, they don't seem to give us that capability. And when you're a bigger artist, you can do it. But in the indie level, I haven't seen a lot of labels actually focus on artwork or lyrics or, you know, additional art that could be associated. And I think that's something that, as, that we could kind of push for as artists to be able to present when we do these singles, maybe PDFs that have more artwork. Because I've talked to a lot of artists that actually are multiple, art, you know, multiple genre artists that have artwork or have ideas that could, you know, be further um, pushed if, if we had a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Would you be, are you interested in that type of thing? I mean, the bigger level artists are able to do it, like the Taylor Swift of the world, that she can put out like a book, a diary with her project. Mm -hmm. But if you're an indie level artist with 10, you can't do that unless you put out a physical CD. I think there are still different ways to approach it. So for example, I post a lot of, I make mood boards usually before I'm deciding the theme of a song as in how it's going to be released. And I make them into posts on Instagram or Facebook. I use them to promote them. So using each image to tell a story, except putting it out there online. Has been yeah, I mean, I think Instagram is one of the best platforms for musicians just because mm -hmm. it gives you the ability to do the little short clips. And then now, now you can do up to 10 minute clips. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for all, all my music, I make a video and I put it on Instagram as a, like a 10 minute video. Um, and I do a little short ones. So I, I understand like I, I would just kind of just point it out, but commercially, um, you know, what you could do besides that, what you do can do for free. Um, but yeah, as an artist, you know, you take the event, you take the, the, the capabilities that we have to, to put out there and some of the stuff, it just becomes a promotional tool. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not an income stream <laughs> tool, but, um, yeah, it's interesting what, what you're doing with your music. Have, you, you've, we just talked about how you're primarily like working alone. Have you decided or ever worked with other people to collaborate with other bands or have features or or you're more like I'm a singer songwriter I'm going to stay within my own world and you don't want to bring in other voices or are you thinking about you know maybe having other people work with you as a matter of fact I have recently done a collab with Insidia and it will be coming out by the end of May I really enjoyed oh, cool. the collab process because like you said I thought I enjoy my private way of writing a song just alone in my bedroom floor at like 3 a.m. But I think 
there is also so much fun and so many possibilities when you're doing a collab because it's very interesting to see how two different artists can approach the same work. Yeah, so when you were a classical musician, you had to play with a whole like concert band, right? Mm. Or did you primarily play by yourself or did you play with like a unit, like a quartet or? It was strings. So we had four violins, I believe a cello, no, four second violins, four first violins and a cello, yeah. Yeah, so the cool thing about that is, like you said, you've had the experience of kind of like what, you know, rock band is the kind of, you know, when you have a bass player, drummer, you know, singer, having that unit, the teamwork is, mm -hmm. is kind of, I grew up with garage bands, you know, bands actually playing in garages and basements and, and playing covers and stuff. And it's just something about when you actually play with other musicians, it, it changes the nature of your work. Um I used to be the main writer for my band and I would write something out and I'm a keyboardist. So I'd even, I write the bass parts out. I do the chord charts. I do like everything because I can do it. Um, but then when they gave it to the bass player, he would change it. And it was good because like, he's a bass player. He's going to take what I did and like, why well, that's why I think the bass should be. But the bass player is really going to play it. Cause that's what he is. He's a bass player and a drummer. Same thing. He's going to take what I wrote on a drum machine and, and really, open it up and i think that's the cool thing about collabing is like i've done a couple of myself over a couple of years and i might get ready to work on a bigger project um that i just got signed up for it, it it's always good when you're I'm, I'm primarily an indie artist myself but when you work with other people it just i think it just makes you a better musician over time i think it just gives you more like ideas that maybe you didn't think about yeah definitely it helps you see new perspectives that maybe you would never see but if you were just working on your own yeah because sometimes you got to mix it up you know sometimes you have to kind of tear it down and start again <laughs> <laughs> um because uh, you could be going somewhere and say well this is working and even if you're successful they, they're famous musicians they've been like okay i'm doing something i keep on hitting in the top 10 but now i'm going to do something totally different i don't know if my fans are going to come with me but i just feel the need to do it mm -hmm. um and I think that's always been exciting to me. I, I'm very much interested in artists to have that kind of risk taking. <laughs> um, they, they like to change it up and just don't want to do the same thing over and over. But um, so, so part of the, the questions I ask about are um, what do you think the future of music are? Is what what the future is in in, in the music industry, and also kind of also taking into account that. A lot of artists can't play live venues anymore uh, because of the situation. We don't know when we can get back to that. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you think we're, where we're going to be? Well, I think, well, these are very unpredictable times, but I think the best way to move forward is finding ways to stay connected and just keep doing what you love. So I've been taking the time to learn some more about classical composing and mixing and mastering, for example. Um, I've started to perform online on Facebook or Instagram. And I believe in making the best of any situation, basically. So just accepting thing that there are things that I cannot control and just work on the things that I can control and hopefully just keep moving on. Yeah, that's. I think it's interesting because I've been a like a Facebook live performer 
like for like three years, I was doing it out of my bedroom studio. And people used to say, oh, what are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's like now I'm kind of like people have been actually asking me, you know, other musicians sometimes ask me, so oh, how did you do that? What are you doing? What are you using? And because and, yeah. now everybody's got to do it. <laughs> um <laughs> And I even went on Twitch, you know, I started to go on Twitch and, and do stuff there because if you become like a Twitch partner, you actually can get an income stream. Not that that's the most important thing in the world, but there are ways musicians have to kind of look at it. If you can't get to a venue, if you go on Twitch and you build a big audience, you can actually become a partner and actually get an income stream coming in. Um, and it's like the same as playing gigs. Um, so there's a lot of people starting to look at that. And there's all these online concerts that are starting to happen. There's a couple that are like for benefits for firefighters or benefits for the police. Or so it's like what I've been seeing is like, okay, well, you know, if you go and you help with, with some of these charities and become a performer on these online, you know, charity live performances, it's another way to get your, your vision out there and actually help people. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cool things that are going on and you don't have to say, well, I can't play the gig, so I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, you just kind of got to open yourself up to thinking about new things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you have some more work you're doing. Um, we see your new single on Spotify. Um, so your latest song that's out there, um, I was just looking at it and we look at it a little bit more, um, Kaleidoscope. Yes. And that's the, the only, yeah, so that, that song is your latest track, right? Yeah. So maybe you can talk about what that song means to you. I've seen, you know, the write-up, but maybe you can kind of tell the audience, like, where you're coming from on the song and how you constructed it and and what the feelings are and what you're trying to convey. That was actually another song that started out as a poem and then I made it into lyrics because I started writing it when I was feeling a bit conflicted about who I was and how to tell people that so I just put it into a song and it was all about the emotions I felt around coming out coming to terms with who I am and also about my other friends who were going through similar experiences and what I thought I would want to hear during that process and what I would want to tell all those people who are going through the same conflicts about coming to terms with who they are now, when you when you relayed this in your song, um, did you what was the kind of feedback you got from your followers or your audience? Was it supportive? Did people like write to you and said that they, you know, what was the feeling? What kind of feedback did you get? Yeah, it was definitely positive because I think a lot of people relate to that idea of both wanting to scream it from the rooftops, but also being terrified that you're going to be judged about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like what what one thing I love about singer songwriters is is the honesty that you get, um, and 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 the ability to you know have make political statements or make social statements, and to kind of be you know music to me a lot of times is like reading a great American novel mm-hmm. uh, or a great novel. Right. So if I like reading Faulkner or something like it's like when you get a really great artist, you get a big like a window into their soul in a way if they're honest. Um, so so I was always drawn to like Kurt Cobain because I felt like, well, he's really being very, you know, open 
and what he was doing. And it felt honest compared to what was going on in that time. You had all these hair bands in Los Angeles and it felt kind of fake. And it felt like these are corporate created bands. And then you had the grunge movement where it kind of brought it back to like a punk aesthetic mm-hmm. that had more honesty. You had the Eddie Vedder, you know, being very honest and open and talking about things, political mm-hmm. things again, you know, kind of bringing up a Dylan kind of error, error again um, in music where the lyrics actually meant something. So I've always been drawn to singer songwriters because they tend to, to be the type of people that make art and music that make you feel something. So I think you're in that, in that category with what you're doing. Thank you. Because uh, I've always been, I mean, it, sometimes people want music and they want just a beat and they want to have fun mm-hmm. and they want to dance and that's cool and there's a place for that. You know, I grew up in the disco era. I grew up in the funk era. Um, you know, I, I love Pollard and Funkadelic and James Brown and get into a groove, but sometimes you, you need somebody to actually say something. Um, and I think in these times, I think they're going to be more um, focused on people wanting to, to heal and feel something. Uh, you know, people want to party. They always want to party, but I think people are going to want something a little bit more substantial based on what's going on. Um, so is Kaleidoscope uh, 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 just a single project or is it part of a project you were going to be work, putting out in 2020? Kaleidoscope on its own is a single project. But you're, are you working on additional music? Would this Kaleidoscope be part of a like an EP or is it its own thing, its own project? I think Kaleidoscope is its own thing, but the music I'm currently working on will be part of a bigger project that tells one story. Oh, okay. So Kaleidoscope will kind of stand on its own. It yeah. wouldn't be in that included in the new project. No. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what, what, why I like the freedom of being an artist today is like, you can put these EPs out, you can put all these singles out and they can't stand on their own. So mm-hmm. you can have, you know, get, you don't have to like, okay, well, I can't put this out because it doesn't go with the album. <laughs> you know, that was, that was kind of a limitation in the past. You know, they, you could only put out what would fit on a vinyl, you know, or what fit on tape or what fits on a CD. And now you're kind of not limited. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have some artists that can, they'll put out two hour projects <laughs> and they're, they're not limited by the medium. Um, if, if they don't, if they want to, they can't. Um, so, so are you working on something that's more of an EP or, or an album length project or, what would, what would your fans know about what you're doing for 2020? So the current project that I'm working on is going to be four parts. They won't be in one EP or album or a group, but more almost like chapters of a book or like volumes of a book that come out one after another, oh. kind of well, that's interesting. story. Yeah, back in the 70s, there were some bands that did stuff like that. They would do like multiple part stories type, mm-hmm. put things together like that. And that's, you know, a lot of jazz bands do that too. Like if you go to the Coltrane, um, is, a, is a big picture of that, you know, part one, part two, part three of a Love Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I've always been drawn to like jazz bands like Sun Ra and uh, 
and and Coltrane and Davis because mm-hmm. the, the experimentation and ability to kind of do do that kind of format is somewhat you know drawn into things like you know uh, Paul and Funkadelic and Frank Zappa you know they they used to do very amazing cross genre stuff Zappa especially you know he had the the ability to have orchestration I and mean, he could actually write and he would direct orchestras on his material um which is and he would do all these really innovative um musical uh styles that for a rock band was kind of way beyond what rock bands were doing mm-hmm. so I was, i've always been interested in people who do that kind of mixture and so with with your folk and country and classical and now your mid- medieval um studies yeah I, I think i'll be watching what you're doing for 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 a while <laughs> <laughs> So you're you're out on SoundCloud. You're on YouTube. You've got videos you've produced. Now the videos you produced, did you work with anybody to do that, or is that all you? I did get some help from friends, but the editing and the planning was me. Yeah. So are you working on more video, like because you're in the situation, or you're not able to get the video because of kind of lockdown situation? Or are you able to still do it? Video I... type production. I am able to still do it, but obviously there are limitations because can't travel anywhere. Yeah, but to get outside. Just trying no. to work around those, basically. And um, you have your own website that we're going to include all the links to your social media. Um, and uh, do you have like a target date for any of your new material that's coming out? Not at the moment. Okay. But we will be able to push what you have out there now. And your latest single, uh, it just came out at the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, around February. February. So were you going to actually do live shows um, for your music this year before all this happened? Or you were primarily more of a a streaming artist and you weren't going to do live? Did you have like a vision for doing your stuff live? Yeah, because um, before this entire lockdown happened, I would always go around pubs around Egham or Andover or Salisbury and just perform live almost every week. So it's okay, been so you, a you, bit you, you have a presence. Yeah, so you, you have a, like a fan base that's used to you doing like, 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 like a, it would say that you do more like acoustic unplugged performances or do you have additional help? Mostly in terms acoustic. of like a band backing you up. No, I have that. Yeah, so like that. Band. You have? No, I haven't actually. No, you haven't. Yeah, so you're doing more like like a folk singer, yeah. like a Dylan or a Neil, Neil Young or type of Joan Baez type of performance where old school 70s coffee house kind of <laughs> that kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> the first place hip, hip, I performed at was a coffee hip, house. <laughs> Yeah, well, I kind of started like doing Northampton, Massachusetts, outside of like uh, um, um, a bunch of like um, colleges. There's like a five college system, and you've got like Mount Holyoke, and you've got all these like uh, you, you know big colleges, and they had this kind of coffee house scene. And when I was in my twenties, like that's what I used to, I used to go read poetry at these coffee houses, and then I started integrating my synthesizers with the poetry. And started doing that since you know that time, 
And it was always those crowds, they, the college crowd, you know, the college radio crowd, you know, mm-hmm. back before the net. They were the kids, you know, the people that would support artists that were doing weird experimental things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- today that, that audience has gotten bigger. You know, now you can reach the whole world in that way. And so I find that that you know you used to have to travel to New York City to get to a to get to a show, and now I can do a show on Twitch or Instagram or Facebook, and I can reach you know five six thousand people. Where in a club I could only reach maybe a hundred to three hundred people. Um, so I think it's it's, it's how you look at it. Um, you know, you can potentially get to a bigger audience from your bedroom. <laughs> true um yeah so that's that's what people gotta see is like okay you know being in a van and touring the whole u.s in a van is it, cool but you know in the modern world you you can reach the whole world um and then you move up to a tour bus <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so so we're, we're excited that you were on the show today and uh we're gonna push this out uh we are part of spotify Anchor FM is part of Spotify, so this will be on Spotify as well as 10 other platforms uh, when we push it out, and we'll give you the link so you can share with all your fans. Uh, We do have good integration with Instagram, and so we will put a highlight on our Instagram that actually links to the Spotify version of this podcast. And so when people click on that highlight, it will go right to the podcast. Perfect. And so that's another way of pushing this out. Uh, we're, we're happy that you came on the show today. Everybody, um, when we put this out, we're going to have a bunch of hyperlinks uh, to Regina Faye's work. Please click on them and support your favorite artist and support Regina Faye. We hope to have you on the show when you have more work to discuss. We have people coming on our show like multiple times with mm-hmm. artists that we've interviewed. Um, so we thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Regina Faye, everyone. Check her out on all the student services and the links that we provide. Have a great day. Thanks, you too.